gospel of Jesus Christ frees us, delivers us, and changes us so that we can find freedom and joy and so we can be enlisted in his mission as his people. Go ahead and have a seat. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to open it with me to Matthew chapter 6. Thank you, worship team, today. That was a phenomenal time. Yes, you can clap. I joked in the first service that Pastor Lathaniel heard so many great comments in his absence last week that he was like, we're getting everybody who sing up there. Everybody, come on. Uh, but man, what a, what a wonderful time. Thank you again to every single one of you involved in that. Uh, we are continuing a series that we have been calling Life Hacks, and we're here in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, today we're talking about a- an issue that for us has been uh, something that I think in church sometimes we're hesitant to talk about, but we shouldn't be because the Bible is not at all hesitant to talk about it. Uh, I'm wearing a green shirt today, and ironically today we're talking about money, so that's weird, all right? It wasn't exactly on purpose, but it wasn't an accident either, if that makes sense. I really can't explain it to you. It's going to take too much time. Uh, but when I put it on, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be weird. And people are going to say something about it. And then I was like, oh, I'll be all right. First service verified that I have a lot of comments. So, uh, yeah. But anyways, we're, we're talking about money. And, and money is an important thing. You see, money matters. Last week we talked about time. And really the reality is this entire series is about stewardship. Now, stewardship is a churchy sounding word that simply means that every single blessing we have in this life is a gift from God. Every good thing we have is a gift from God. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Stewardship simply means understanding that every good thing we have is a gift from God. And all of those things we have are His. Now, here's what's weird about that. Most of us are cool with that statement to a certain extent. All the good things we have are God. We're like, yes and amen. Over the last several months, we've been talking about the idea that Jesus wants us to surrender everything of who we are for His mission. Every part of our life is for the mission of God. And we've agreed with that. We've said amen to that. But then it gets kind of weird when it starts getting real practical. So last week we talked about time, and I'll just level with you. I didn't even realize how confrontational that sermon was until I was in the middle of preaching it, okay? Like, you may have had thoughts in your head. I'm not even talking to myself like, hey, that's a little too far, buddy, like while I'm preaching it. Because it just gets to the middle of where we live. On a very practical street level, it confronts some things in our lives. But here's my heart, and I want you to hear this today, because, you know, you'll hear people when we talk about things like money especially, and if you're visiting with us today, you need to know this is not our normal. This isn't that kind of church that we're always like, give, give, give. You know, uh, I've heard a a preacher joke one time that uh, he talks about tithing in every single sermon, and I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, well, have you heard of the story of David and Goliath? He selected five smooth stones, and the five smooth stones were tithe, 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 and tithe. And I was like, uh, I don't do that, man. That's not my thing. Uh, but the reality is there are churches today that will just beat that drum over and over again. But that's not the drum we're about beating. We're not about money here at Crossroad. We're about the mission. We believe that God has called us to a glorious mission to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. And we want our entire lives to be wrapped around that. That's what we're about. 
So when we talk about things like time and the reality that time matters, it matters how we spend it today, we're going to talk about money. Money matters, and it matters how you spend it. And part of that is going to be talking about giving. We're going to have an honest conversation about that here in a few minutes. But this is more than just a sermon about giving. This is a message that is about the way we view money in all areas of our lives as the people of God. The Bible has much to say about money and how we as Christ followers relate to it. So I, I want to tell you, if you're here today, you're not here by accident. You, you may already on the inside be like, oh, we picked the worst day to go. <laughs> like of all the Sundays, this is the Sunday we went to church. I got up early for this. But I want you to hear my heart. I believe that God has you here for a reason today. And if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. This mission, this Savior is worth surrendering everything to. Everything in your life, including your finances. So we're going to see what the Bible has to say. I want to just ask you to pray with me. And we're just going to ask the Lord to speak to us very clearly today and to remove any distractions. Then we'll jump into the word. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for every single person that is here under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this room or whether they're watching the live stream right now. Lord, I just ask that you would prepare our hearts for your word. We want to be about your mission. So, God, I pray that you would form every part of our lives about that. Lord, that we would be all in as your people where no part of our life would be off limits. And we would let your word speak into specifically this area of finances today. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, the word of God says this. Jesus is speaking. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now skip down with me to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then Jesus applies this for us. He says, you cannot serve God and money. So we jumped right into the middle of a famous sermon, probably the most famous sermon of all time, and that is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. If, uh, talking about life hacks, this is just a complete section of Jesus getting right into the middle of our business and saying, hey, everything has to change. If you're following me, your entire life is turned upside down. I want to encourage you sometime this week, you may have a Bible reading plan going already. I hope you do, but even if you do, maybe find a little extra time, cut down one episode when you're binge watching something and just read through Matthew 5 through 7. You won't be disappointed. It will mess you up in the best of ways, okay? Because Jesus is going to lovingly yet very directly confront several things that we deal with in our lives. And today, in this section in particular, he's addressing the issue of our earthly treasures. And I love that Jesus takes a real logical approach. He doesn't say, hey, you bunch of bums, what are you doing? You need to be handling your money this way. Do this, 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 and this. Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he takes this very logical approach and basically says, why are you working so hard for things that are so temporary? Why are you working so hard for things that are so temporary? The truth is, Church, we are gathering things and working very hard to gather things that will one day be absolutely worthless. The world has conditioned us to make treasures out of things that will be worthless in the near future. I've reminded of this just a few weeks ago at Christmas as things that 
Uh, people opened, kiddos opened that would change their lives forever, and it was over in about 10 minutes, right? Uh, like you could always, already, like, you know, Marie Kondo would just get it out of there because they're done sparking joy on it, right? They're out. And the reality is we do the exact same thing in our lives, don't we? Like we gather things that we think this is going to satisfy me, this is going to be it, this is what's going to help me, this is going to put me over the top, and then we get it and it's discarded. I need to tell you something that you may or may not know. Your most prized possessions today are the things that will be tossed away into the dump by the next generation. The things that you value the most are the next generation's garage sale items. You need to understand that. The old saying goes, you can't take it with you. Jesus is addressing and speaking directly into that. And he says, don't work so hard to stack up treasures here. This is not our permanent address. Invest your life in eternity and what matters. Now, some people here, and, and, and I bet even those listening to Jesus were like, amen. Preach it, Rabbi. You're doing good. Tell those people. That's how we always do, isn't it? Like, man, he really, I wish so-and-so had been here to hear that today. Some of you are already trying to think of who you can apply this sermon for. The Lord wants to speak to you today, friends. I'm sure there were some people who felt that way, like, oh, man, that's good, Jesus. But then Jesus gets even more personal in verse 21, essentially providing a test. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question becomes for us, what do you treasure? Where do you invest your money, your time, your energy, your passion? What consumes you? The answer to that is your treasure. You can say that you treasure Jesus, but when we're consumed by careers, by family, by money, by our hobbies, by sports, by anything else, that's your idol. That's your real treasure. I think there are a lot of potential Treasures that can steal our heart and affection for Jesus. And I know in my life, it's not usually just one, right? There will be something that's competing for the throne of my heart that is not Christ. And it will be something else for a little while, and then it's something else. But the reality is, all those things are empty idols. I think one of the biggest ones that gets in our way, and and it's subtle, because most of us, I don't think anybody has like a stack of cash that you bow down to at your house. If you do, then this sermon is just the very beginning. We need to do some counseling or something, okay? But I think money is one of the biggest idols in our culture today, and I think it has been from the beginning of time. And that's why we see Jesus addressing it head on here in Matthew 6. In verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, you cannot love God and money. That word money is actually, some of your translations probably straight up say mammon, which is a Jewish word that really means money and the stuff we spend our money on. It's kind of all of our material wealth and possessions. This should convict us a little bit because notice what the text says. It says, you cannot serve God and you cannot love money more than you love God. No, it doesn't say that, does it? There's zero wiggle room. It says you can't serve God and money. It's an either or proposition. This is not a both and type of deal. But let's be honest, this is a struggle for us. And I think that's why the Bible spends so much time talking about money. The Bible talks about this a lot. Uh, There are more verses about money in the Bible than there are verses about love. 
Jesus talks about money more than he talks about many of the things that we usually associate Jesus with. I don't think people really realize that, but, you know, half of Jesus' parables, he spoke in parables a lot of the time. Half of his parables either directly address or involve money. It's obviously something that I think is God's grace because he knew this was going to be a hang-up for most people. He knew this was going to be something we struggle with, so he speaks into that and addresses it. Money, I think, is something that is almost universally idolized. People who have it fall into the trap of worshiping money. People who don't have money fall into the trap of worshiping money because our world runs on money. And if we're not careful, this is what dominates our hearts and our minds and our thinking and really our entire lives. But the call of this message from the word go is for us to be people who come back to the treasure, the real treasure, Jesus Christ. And if we treasure Jesus above all things, then it's going to change the way we relate to everything. It's the basic premise, again, of this series. If we really value Christ above everything, we manage our time differently. We manage our money differently. Next week, we're even talking about health. How about that? See, again, I've told you and I'm memorizing your faces, so you have to come back next week, okay? But it's one of those things that is so easy for us to ignore. But if God speaks into it, we need to evaluate the way we relate to money. If we're going to be God's people, we need to think about our relationship with money. So with all this in mind, I want to remind you of what I reminded you last week, and I'll remind you again of next week. I'm a pastor. This is just a pulpit, and this is a church. Uh, the, the idea of this today is not for me to become a financial guru. I'm not going to fix your finances today. Uh, there are way better people you can do that. I'm not going to try to do a Dave Ramsey impression for you today. That's not what this time is about. If you need that kind of help, the cool thing is, is that here at Crossroad, we want to help you. We have resources available. Uh, We've done financial peace courses. We're going to have another one starting just this year. In fact, in the next season of our lives, we're starting a financial peace class where you can learn to manage your money instead of letting your money manage you. Uh, If you are interested in that, Keith and Lisa will be able to help you out. Lisa's right over here. She's holding a baby. Oh, she even, wow, she's one hand holding a baby. You like that? Uh, Sorry, Cooper. You're good, though. He seems pretty comfy. But they're going to be teaching that class, and it's going to be very beneficial. You might want to check into that and maybe get in that if you need some practical help. But that's not what we're about right now here in this moment. What we want to do today is just renew and redeem a biblical picture of money and how we as God's people should interact with it today. So the first thing we need to be reminded of is this. Our money belongs to God. Our money belongs to God. Money is a stewardship issue. Did somebody just like, sound like somebody cashed a check or something just then? I don't know what that was. <laughs> Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. Our money belongs to God. If you were here last week, what did we say? What was the first point of the message? Our time belongs to God. So again, this is happening every week. Our money belongs to God. It's a stewardship issue. Everything we have belongs to God, and our finances are a part of that. Every penny in your possession belongs to God. It's a gift from God. And again, a serious reminder is that there's going to be a day where we will stand before God and we're going to be accountable for how we used all the blessings he has given us, including our finances. So knowing that our money belongs to God should cause a couple of things within us. And I think it should cause us to be both joyful and thoughtful. Because our money belongs to God, we should be both joyful and thoughtful in the way that we use it. 
Several years ago, I was on staff at a church working with at-risk teenagers and young adults, and I started preaching. It essentially was a house church on Tuesday nights. It was the first place that I preached every single week. You think I'm bad now? Imagine me just starting, okay? So it was every Tuesday night. I would preach in the living room in front of somebody's TV, and about 20 people would be packed in this living room, and we would be talking about what God is doing in our lives. And we would go a lot of nights when that got over. We would all load up and go to the best restaurant ever, Chick-fil-A, and we would get there. Health's not until next week, okay? So give it to me this week. We would go to Chick-fil-A, and we would eat and enjoy our time together, But there was a group of guys that really couldn't afford to do that on a weekly basis. So most of the time they would just go home after the service was over. But the people who hosted our house occasionally just very graciously would say, hey, Rusty, why don't you tell everybody to come tonight, take our credit card and pay for everyone's food. Those were awesome nights. We would go, and I tell you what, it was a joyful thing to be able to go there. We would stand in line, all those young adults and uh, people who didn't, a lot of those guys didn't really get to eat like that very often, and they would order their food, and it was so much fun. I would be the last one, and I would hand over that card joyfully and just so excited to be able to do it. Why was it such a joyful experience? Because it wasn't my money. Right? It was easy to be joyful because it wasn't hurting me. It wasn't my money at all. So I'm like, hand over the card, like, yep, let's do this. It was a joyful thing. And I remember one day as we were doing that, it's as if the Lord just spoke to my heart and reminded me that the same joy I had as I handed over her card and his card should have been the joy that I have when I hand over my card. Because guess what? In the exact same way, my money isn't really mine either. And if God calls me and enables me and and gives me opportunity to do things, it should be a joyful thing for me to be able to use the money God has blessed me with for his glory. When God prompts me to buy dinner, when I feel led to give or spend or use the money in my possession, I can do it joyfully because, listen, at the end of the day, it's not my money anyways. If it belongs to God and he calls me to use it, then I can joyfully use it. But at the same time, I'm joyful. I'm also thoughtful in the way that I use the money God's given me. When I got up to order my food in that same situation, never once was I like, do y'all have any ribeyes back there? What can we do? All right. Make me seven Chick-fil-A sandwiches right now. Never did I do that. I'm like a dollar menu air at that point because I realized that Terry and Jill had so graciously blessed us with this opportunity. And I did not want to take advantage of that was thoughtful in the way that I interacted with that. I have a reputation of being cheap, and you'll get to know that more and more as we get to spend the years together. But if you want to see cheap, come talk to me about our church budget. We are very serious about the way we use the money that God has given our church. I said this in the first service. This staff that God has blessed us with, they have pulled some magical rabbits out of hats with very little money spent. It's a blessing to watch how they work and how we're able to use what God blesses us with. But it's easy to be very serious about that because in a very, very tangible way, I see the money of this church as God's money. And we want to spend it wisely and carefully and thoughtfully. But the reality is that the money that I spend out of my own bank account is God's as well. And just as thoughtfully and intentionally as I spend the the Lord's money at church, I should be spending that money out of my own personal finances with the same care and intentionality. Because all of our money belongs to God. 
How do we remind ourselves that all of our money belongs to God? I think God has built in a way to consistently remind us of this, and that's tithing. Now, I know that I just used what is a cuss word for many of you right now, right? Yeah, again, this is the point in the message where you're like, here we go. This is why I wasn't going to come today. But, but here we are, and, and let's talk about this. If our money belongs to God, then we need to be people who respond to the biblical command to use our money as he would call us to use it. Tithing is a biblical command. Tithing was instituted early, like in the first few pages of the Bible. You see it instituted really before the law came about. Right when the Sabbath was, we see right beyond that that we see tithing initiated in the Old Testament. Now, there are some who would say, now, Pastor Rusty, tithing is an Old Testament thing, and that's not something that we see in the New Testament. We're done with the law because of Jesus and the gospel. And let me just say yes and amen. I wholeheartedly agree with you. But what I would say is that when you go to the pages of the New Testament, the standard doesn't really seem to get lower. In fact, the standard seems to be higher in the New Testament for what we as the people of God will give to the work of the kingdom. I don't think we need to be legalistic about giving 10%. But I do think for us as Christ followers in the council of scripture, that 10% is a baseline. It's something for us to shoot for and strive for. We would do well to pray about what it is the Lord would have us give. The word tithe literally comes from a word that means tenth. So the tithe is to give a tenth of your gross income, what the Bible would call the first fruits of our finances. Before anything comes out, we give God his portion, knowing that in all reality, all of it belongs to him. All of it belongs to him. If you're not doing this, I just want to issue a challenge to you today. To just start giving and see what God does in your life. The Old Testament, God literally says this. It's kind of weird. He says, test me in this. That's strange because generally speaking, the idea of testing God is not uh, something that the Bible's big on, right? But he says, in this area, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of blessing upon you. Now, again, we're not that kind of church, so I'm not about to tell you that if you start tithing, you're going to be rich. That haven't worked out that way for my family yet, right? Maybe that's worked out for you, that's awesome. But it haven't worked out that way for me yet. But can I tell you, the blessing comes in knowing that you are faithfully supporting the work that God is doing in this church. Just this week, you received mail from Crossroad. And if you are giving faithfully here at Crossroad, you received a giving statement just showing you what you're doing and uh, thanking you for that. When I got mine, I opened it up, and first I had a letter from myself to myself in it, and that was weird. But once I got done with that, (laughs) past Rusty, dear future Rusty, uh, sorry. But I looked at that statement, and it was just like a moment where I was just so thankful to God. Uh, we, we obviously had to just move across the country a few weeks ago, months ago. I don't even know. It's been a blur, okay? Not that long ago. And if you've moved, you kind of know it's like, what happened to our bank account? Like, I think we've been hacked. And then you're like, no, we just spent a bunch of money. That's just how it happens. New home, and now we have a new kid and all those kind of things. Yet still, we're here, and we've made it, and God's provided. And not only has God provided, and we're okay, but we get this in the mail saying that, that we've been able to do this for the kingdom of God on top of everything else that has happened. And it was a moment of joy for us. And I know that that God really just blessed me with the opportunity to grow up in a home where where this was taught from early, early on in my childhood. So so tithing is something that I just naturally carried into my adult life. And 
Uh, then Mallory and I got married and we just continued to do that. Then we had kids and we continued to do that. And as we've changed jobs, we've just continued. It's just been a part of our lives. And even in recent years, God's given us the opportunity to even do more than we thought we could do, to go beyond uh, what we thought was a tithe. And it's just been a blessing to see how God has used that and how he's provided in our lives. And it is a blessing that some of you well know as I'm talking about it, but some of you this sounds absolutely foreign to right now. But I want to tell you, this is why I don't mind preaching messages like this, because I know that as your pastor and your friend, I want you to experience what we've been able to experience in seeing God work in this way. There's a real joy and passion that come with giving to the mission of the gospel. That's the blessing. We had our annual business meeting this past Wednesday night. We talked about the financial needs of Crossroad, and we were celebrating a year where God has done incredible things. I mean, you think about the fact that we transitioned pastors, that kind of stuff is not cheap, and we were able to make it. Like, we we not only made it, it was a, a blessed year for us. Yet even in the midst of that, there were some times that we were really, really tight financially. And uh, we're, we're starting off the year tight again. If you're looking at your bullets and some of you are, are that type every day, you look at the financials thing at the bottom of it. Uh, some of you maybe never look at that. But if you looked at it today, you would see that we're already kind of a couple weeks behind financially in month one of the year. I don't say that to concern you today because I'm confident in God's ability to provide for our church. But I think it's important that all of us understand, as a church family especially, and if you're visiting with us again, we're glad you're here. This is a great conversation that, that you can listen in on. But for our Crossroad family in particular, it's important that you understand that our church doesn't just happen on its own. We need all of our church family to faithfully participate in the work of the gospel with, we always say, with our time, talent, and treasure. We need that in order for us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. If you're a member of our church, then then it's expected that you're faithfully giving. That's something we sign every year. I'll continue to faithfully give to the mission of the church. If you're not giving, I want to invite you to pray about it. That's what I want to invite you to do. I'm not here to say, you need to do this, you need to start. I want to invite you to pray about it and ask the Lord what he would have you do. I would recommend shooting for that 10%, that baseline. Some of you can do that right now. It might take some uh, managing your finances differently and thinking through that, but you can do it. But there are others in here that I I just know from experience right now you could not start to give 10%. It would be unrealistic for you to do it right now, but I want to invite you just simply to faithfully give something, to begin to give something, to pray about it and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Because here's what happens, and I've seen this in my own life and in the life of my friends and family, that when you begin to give and you see how God is blessing you, it's going to lead you to want to create margin to be able to give more so you can see God do more with what you're able to give. I believe that with all my heart. Now, some of you have heard what I've been saying, and uh, I just gave you an out, right? Some of you are like, do you, ever listen, do you ever listen to the preacher, and you're like, well, maybe he'll back off of this. This seems pretty harsh. And some of you are like, oh, good, there he goes. He got off that tithe word. But here's the reality. I think sometimes, maybe in the past, whether it was Pastor Bob or Pastor Brad, this same message was preached, and it was, hey, faithfully give. Give something. Give something. And maybe you started giving something, and God blessed you, and your finances changed, and you never changed from that point. Can I tell you what today is? Today is an invitation for every single one of us in the Crossroad family to take some time and say, Lord, what would you have me do? 
What would you have me do? Do you want me to give more? Do you want me to start giving? What is it that you would have me do? I, I want to encourage you to joyfully, thoughtfully, and even sacrificially give. We need to be a people who give and, and know that it costs us something. Let me be honest. There are times where uh, I, I get the email or see my bank statement. We, we give online. And now some of you are kind of like, well, that's not what the Bible says. And I'm like, okay, so are you giving like 10% of the paprika you bought last week? Like, okay, let's, whatever. But I'm not in my notes. But however you give, that's, it's fine. The, the Lord can use that. But there are times where I see that and I'm like, oh, man, that hurts. But in that moment, I'm reminded that no, this isn't to be a sacrifice that just makes me hurt. This is a joyful sacrifice for us. Because look at what God is able to do. This isn't a call to be foolish. Rather, it's a call for us to be generous. The saying goes, you can't outgive God. Here at Crossroad, we always say, give as the Lord leads, nothing more and nothing less. This is an opportunity for you and I to just pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? But when was the last time you seriously prayed that? I guess that's the question today. If we as a church were to come together and start working toward tithing and faithfully giving, I think we would see God do extraordinary things. Because God blesses our obedience. He'll bless your family and he'll bless our church if we would faithfully and sacrificially give. Now, let me make another caveat. I know I've made a lot of caveats today. This is, some of you are like, man, I don't like these kind of messages. Can I just say this isn't my favorite either? (laughs) Is it okay to say that? Can we just level with each other? This is difficult and it feels awkward, yet I know what God's word says. And I wouldn't be a good friend and pastor if I didn't preach this to you today. So as we think about this, I want to just remind you of this. God doesn't need your money. Okay? God can do it without your money. And he, some of you, he's been doing it without your money. But God gives us today this opportunity to join in his work, to become kingdom partners with him. And he wants to use us to do great things for his glory. So I want to encourage you to receive the blessing that it is to give and participate in his work in this way. And when we do that, back to our overarching first point, tithing helps us remember that it's all God's money anyway. When we give the 10% or whatever it is that the Lord would lead you to give in your family, I think it's a reminder every single time that the rest of my money is God's too. Let me be cautious with how I spend it. So all of our money belongs to God. The second big truth is this. Our money impacts eternity. Our money impacts eternity. Now, some of you are going to be so stuck on me talking about giving that you're never going to come back. Okay? We're done with that scary part. If you had your ears closed, open them back up and then go watch the uh, archive later so you can hear it. All right. But we're, we're talking about the way we spend our money in every area of our lives, not just in what we give. Our money belongs to God. So everywhere we use it matters. And now our money impacts eternity. It impacts not only our eternity, but others eternity. Let's start with your eternity. Do you know that Jesus warned us in Matthew six that you can completely waste your life trying to stock up on earthly treasures and completely miss the treasures that await for you in heaven. It's a scary thought to me that that we can spend our lives attempting to accumulate earthly treasure all the while ignoring eternal impact. And what's crazy is this is the cycle of Western world. This is the Americanized version of life. Some of us, the best thing we could want for our 
kids is for them to have a happy family and a nice home and a secure life financially. And Jesus never fits into that. If your if your kids could be wealthy and comfortable without Jesus, would you accept that? Would you be okay with that? I think in the American world, we've kind of packaged Jesus with all this other stuff, haven't we? Are we living our lives to just gather up temporary things, or are we intentionally investing in eternity? Eternity is on the line. We need to use our money in such a way that it's impacting eternity. But not only our eternity, but others' eternity. I think this is the one that perhaps convicts me the most. I I know that I spend so much money on things that don't last. Well, there are people around the world and even people right here in our community who are hungry, who are hurting, and really far most importantly, people who need Jesus. Yet we're doing what Jesus talked about, building bigger barns and bigger barns instead of using our resources for the sake of the gospel. I'm convinced that we need to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts today because I'm really, really good at this, using spiritual language to dress up my financial decisions. Anybody else? (laughs) Right. Well, you know, the Lord's going to use this new iPhone for his glory. There's no doubt. You know, I mean, I disciple so many people, a lot of texting, you know, and just being able to get on the Internet. Like God's going to really use this for his glory. I need to do that. And you take that and go a billion different ways. Or uh, we, we really need a nicer home, or I need a nicer car, or I need the most latest and greatest electronics. Whatever it is, fill in the blank on whatever it may be in your life. And we're real good at talking ourselves into it being a wise spiritual thing. But I'm convinced that we as the people of God need His help. We need the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Because none of us are immune to this. You need to hear me. I'm not trying to call anybody out today. I'm saying that each of us need to evaluate our lives. Is everything we're doing with our money for the sake of advancing the kingdom of God? Now, some of you think, well, that's a little bit extreme. But, but hear my heart in this. Sometimes the most godly thing you can do is go on a vacation. Because you're a jerk. And you need a break. That's a little tough. Some is, He's speaking directly into my life. Looking at your husband, did he call you this week? Sometimes a godly thing and a wise thing to do is buy a bigger home so you can host more people. Sometimes you need to buy a dependable vehicle. Sometimes you need to upgrade your phone. I'm not saying any of those things are in and of themselves bad, but again, here's my question. When was the last time you prayed and considered those things? Again, we've separated finances from the world of Jesus, and Jesus says, I want all of it. When was the last time you prayed about it and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I use the resources you've given me, finances, stuff, and everything for the sake of the gospel to have an eternal impact? Real quick before we wrap this up, I want to give you just two very practical just truths to help us start evaluating our finances in our lives. And this is super, again, super practical, and I think this will help you. Okay, the first thing is you need to make a budget. Okay, you need to make a budget. Now, some of you are like, you said you weren't going to be Dave Ramsey. Well, yeah, I'm not. But I think the Bible and the whole council of Scripture would teach us to be cautious and thoughtful about the way we use our money. And really, the only way for us to be intentional about the way we use our money is by making a budget. Then you'd be shocked by how much money you waste if you started keeping track with your expenses. 
I know we are. It's it's never fun when you start looking at it and you're like, I spent this much on what? You know, like it happens really, really quick. Uh, and this this is not a biblical rule here, but 108010, maybe you've heard this. Uh, I don't know if schools still teach this, but this is like a very baseline. If you're making a budget, here's what you can do. First, 10% give to your local church. Plan on that from the beginning. Then the goal is to live on 80%. Of the rest of that, and then to put 10% towards saving and retirement. Now, again, let me just level with you. Uh, we, we again have kiddos and toddlers. We're operating more on like the 1085.5 or the 1087.3 or just the 1090, right? It's very difficult sometimes to save and think about those things. Now, some of you may be saying, well, uh, listen, Pastor. I just want us to have faith. I don't need to put savings up. And I've heard people in churches I've served at in the past say, it's really wrong for a church to have a reserve fund. We should have faith in the Lord. Well, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 11. King Solomon says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. I don't like soggy bread, but the point of that is that, yeah, throw it on the water, maybe it'll come back. But the point of that, the wisdom of that proverb is that we want to put some away because we don't know what may happen on this earth. This earth is an unpredictable place. God doesn't change, but this world sure changes, doesn't it? And we need to be cautious about how we use our money. God's word encourages us to save. It's a great starting point. And it may be tough for you right now, but this is something you can maybe begin to work toward. But this is about creating margin in your life to be able to live wise financially. God's wisdom would call us to think about our finances and make a plan. So if you don't have a budget, maybe sit down and think about doing that. The second thing is is even more practical than that. And it's just a call to live with open hands. To live with open hands. If we're not careful, we can be so worried about our finances that we don't live with freedom and joy. You need to know something. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if you're living in obedience, God will provide for you. Don't be stingy. Pay for a friend's meal. Give to those who are in need. Use your money to bless others and do it without living in constant fear. And some of you are like me. Uh, I tend to go like the pendulum swing, right? Like where I'm not, I'm very loose with my finances. Then I realize I need to budget. But then when I start budgeting, I become just some crazy man, right? Like, oh, we can't afford that. No, we spent 10 cents more than we needed to on the water bill. I literally got a water bill this morning. And I was like, who's been drinking all that water? You know, like just walking through the house. No more. Stop it. Don't drink anything till we get to the church. Well, that's God's money too. I don't know what to do. It's a conundrum, right? <laughs> Again, welcome to my world. All right, uh, pray for Mallory. So we can be on this end of the equation, I think, if we're not careful, where God's word calls us to be mindful of the way we use our money. Let's not get to either extreme. Let's not be careless. We need to carefully think about our money. Yes, we need to make a plan and be wise with our finances. Yes, but we also need to know that we can be content with what we have because God knows right where we're at and he's going to give us what we need to be used for his glory and his honor. So live with open hands, because nothing's really ours anyways. And, and I tell you what, God likes to bless people who have open hands. He blesses churches that have open hands. We don't hoard the money God gives us here. Uh, 10% right out of the gate goes to missions. And I love going to those missions meetings, for, and I don't, I don't bother them the whole time, but just getting to sit in there with them and, and listen to them pray through and think through who they're going to bless with those finances God has given us. And that is just a no questions asked thing. I talk about times getting tight around here. That's never a question. 
10% is going right out the door to help other mission work that's happening right here in our community and around the world. And I believe that since we've done that, God's continued to bless us. Decisions like that, God will not stop blessing those who live with open hands. It's all his anyways. The call for you and me today is this. Whatever God's blessed you with, where you may feel like it's a lot or you may feel like it's a little, you may be content today, you may be discontent, but my question is this, when's the last time that you asked the Lord to search through your finances? Some of you say, well, Lord, you can have my heart, but you can't have my finances. Guess what? They're one and the same. You're going to let the Lord have every single part of your life, and it starts with today and this message and this call. He said, let him have your finances too, and he's going to bless you for it. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? I want to... It's been a different type of message, and I want to give you the opportunity, just a couple moments of quiet, to respond to the Lord today. I think every one of us needs to let the Lord search our hearts. And this is a difficult prayer to pray, and it's probably not something that we finish here in this couple moments together, but we need to ask God to expose the areas of our lives where we've been bad stewards of His financial blessings. Some of you in here may need to ask the Lord to give you courage to step out in faith. And it's going to take serious faith to obey the command to tithe and faithfully give. There may be some of you in here who the Lord's been telling you to give to something or someone. And maybe you've been resisting. And as we've talked about it, the Holy Spirit just hasn't left you alone in this time. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to quit guessing other than to say this. We need to do business with the Lord in this moment. So I'm going to give you a couple of moments just in the quiet of this time to pray, and then I'll close us out before we worship here in just a couple of moments.